Good morning, Journey. How are you this morning? Come on, are we doing good? Listen, I, I am so thankful for this church, um, truly. I mean, that. I know some of you, you may not know my face, um, but I'm a, a fan of Journey Church and what God is doing here, truly. Um, it's a special thing. It's a special thing. Um, God has blessed this church and expanding this building so more people can come to know Jesus. And so uh, thank you, Pastor Ken and, and Carrie as well. Just uh, what you're leading here is special. And uh, I know you know it here in this congregation, but you are blessed with amazing lead pastor and staff. And so please. And I'm thankful for Pastor Aaron as well. I know he says, uh, you know, to... Um, to, to keep him in line, but it's, it's no, man, we get to run together, and uh, it's, it's a blessing, and what God's doing in the youth uh, is great as well, and so it's just special, it's just special what's happening here. I said it in the first service, but I meant it, where, you know, where people are, where it says, it's time to give, I didn't hear no groaning, I didn't hear, oh, jeez, I saw people smiling, sh shaking, I, you can't prepare, I saw jars, I saw bags, I mean, I, the music was going, and there was smiles on the people's face. And uh, that's such a blessing. And so, I, you know, so many great things you said, Pastor Aaron, about me. But I always say this. I think some of the greatest titles that we can hold are the ones that deal with relationship. So to say, yeah, someone has a title, say, hey, that's my friend. And, um, you know, Pastor Ken, Pastor Aaron, you guys are my friends. And uh, that's why I'm grateful to be here this morning. Amen? Amen. Well, listen, I, uh, I know you guys uh, get, you get what I would say good home cooking here. You know, Pastor Ken, he always brings a good word. He is wise, bond his years, and, and I know other people preach as well, but you get good home cooking. And so uh, I'm kind of more like a DoorDash situation. They just, they're just bringing me in. So if you're like, I didn't like that, don't worry. Just come back next week. It'll be all good and all right. Like, we're not going to that restaurant again, right? It's thumbs down for me. All right, but I am, am, am excited. I'm going to be bringing a word. Um, called Living on a Prayer, okay? So if you're taking notes, you can put that on your paper or in your phone, whatever, Living on a Prayer. And so some of you of a certain age might already have a certain uh, um, hymn going through your head by Brother Bon Jovi. And um, it's fine. And for those of you who say, who's Bon Jovi, you can Google it later, all right? And some of you are going to be going home and just start playing on the way home. Like, Pastor was preaching on it. I'm going to play it, okay? But I, give you a little bit about myself, I don't want to, you know, take too long, but um, I'm very passionate about the Lord, okay? And, and sometimes when I talk about the Lord, I get passionate, not because uh, I feel like I have to, it's because I know who I am without God. And before I was a pastor, I never grew up thinking, one day I'm going to be a pastor. No, I was working at Chili's, um, that's where I was, uh, serving people, and God called me at that place. And so when I talk about God, when I get fired up, please know uh, from my heart that um, I'm not about emotionalism. I work with teenagers, and, you know, I, I get pumped up. I get excited. Um, but it's not out of, this isn't a Christian pep rally. But this is about seeing people come to know Jesus. When you see people walking darkness coming to light, that's what it's about. And so when I talk about prayer today, it's coming from a place, a, a, a sincere place in my heart. I grew up in church my whole life, and, um, you know, my parents, we went to an all-Spanish church. And so if you've ever been to an all-Spanish church, they have no concept of time. It's just they go on, like, the sundials, like, you know, the sun's at noon, we'll keep going, right? They just, it's, I, tell, I tell the first service, it's like a lock-in during the day. You just keep going. 
and that's about it, all right? And so, but I grew up, and we sat on, you know, these pews, right? We didn't have the nice cushy chairs that you guys have here. It was just straight wood pews. No, no padding on the pews, just straight wood, straight from Noah's Ark to the sanctuary. That's what it was. And, and, and I was there sitting, hearing the word, and I think back on those times, and I remember people who would pray. And even as a child, I knew when someone spent some time with God. Now, hear me. It's not the volume. You know, God doesn't need to scream louder so he can hear you. Okay, we're not talking about volume. We're not talking about screaming. Okay, now, I mean, you get excited and scream. That's fine. But when sometimes people would pray, I'm like, oh, they've been with Jesus. That's good praying. You know, I'm eight years old. Man. I don't know what praying is, but that's good praying. Because there was a depth to their prayer. There was this part of them that you could tell they would pray and spend time with God. That it wasn't just, hey, it's church and we got to pray. Hey, bless God for our service. We're going home. God, give us safe traveling. But there was something on the inside of them that said, this is my lifeline to life. That as I live all my days, I have to be a person of prayer. And I can tell you, we've all been guilty, I'm sure. Well, I'll, I'll, I, won't, I won't put this on other people. I'll put this on myself. Right? There's times where we go to pray, and our heart is there. We're saying, Lord, I'm going to pray. And we just, we made that grave mistake of just getting comfortable in bed. Come on, y'all know I'm going. Next thing you know, you just woke up. It's the morning. Like, Jesus, forgive me. I fell asleep. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> or we're praying. We're praying for the day tomorrow. And then it's intersected with things that we have to do. They say, oh, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm going to stay focused. And we can feel guilt. We can feel upset that we weren't, you know, engaged. But here's what I want to say. As followers of Jesus, we have to be people of prayer. We have to be. So this is not a religious duty to say I mark it off the list and say, well, I pray today. But prayer is vital for us, especially in today's climate. I believe that as followers of Jesus... That prayer is our greatest weapon that we have. That if we are not taking our struggles, if we are not taking our concerns, if we are not taking the things that we're, we're, we're thinking about and give them to God, we are, are, are limiting what God could really do in our lives. So I like to say this. Prayer changes everything, and most times it begins in you. Prayer changes everything, but most times it begins in you. We're going to be out of Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5 uh, through verse 15. It's a familiar passage, I'm sure, to some, but it is the Lord's Prayer. Some of you, you may have grown up in a school or, you know, a church, and you're like, I could quote that. You know, it was on your grandma's, you know, wall in her house. You said, I, you know, some people are like, I ain't even serving Jesus. I know that prayer, right? <laughs> right. There, it's a very common prayer, but I want to take a little bit deeper look into that. But this morning, I want to talk about why prayer is important. The first reason is, is prayer brings perspective. How many times do we know our perspective and God's perspective don't always line up? There are times when we pray and say, God, if you just do what I'm asking you to do, this would go much smoother. Sometimes, right, it's like when you talk to your children and saying, hey, 
We're going into the store. We're not buying anything. Don't pick up anything. We got to go get milk, and we'll come back out. Like, got it. And then you walk in. They're like, ooh, can I get this? I'm like, that's not what we talked about. Yeah, but I want, no, we said we weren't buying anything, right? And sometimes that's how we are with God. Where we're walking, God's like, this is what we're going to do. You're like, got it, God. <laughs> and then you go through your life like, God, I'm going to pray for patience. I'm going to ask for patience. We got this. Me and you, Jesus. And then you go throughout your day. And God said, yeah, this isn't what we talked about. But that's when we have to go to prayer, to line ourselves up with God's perspective. The second reason why prayer is important is prayer reveals what's in your heart. The heart is a messy place. A lot of emotions, lots of things, but it really reveals. When you go to prayer with God, it reveals what's in there. Remember, God can't bless who you pretend to be, and he can't heal what you refuse to let go. So when you pray, that's a place of transparency. God knows. God knows what's going on in your life, and I'll put it to you like I put it to the teenagers. You can hustle me. You can hustle Pastor Ken. You can hustle everyone around you, but you cannot hustle God. He knows exactly what's going on in your heart. So be honest with him. The third reason why prayer is important, and I think it's the most important, is that Jesus prayed. Often. So we don't see one part of scripture like, oh, yeah, Jesus prayed that one time. No, no. All through his life, there's moments where it talks about him praying. So if Jesus, the son of God, took time to pray, how much more important is it for us and in Matthew chapter 6, he taught us how to pray. And I want to read it to you starting in verse 5. It says, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they will have the reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying... Do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Verse 8, so do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14, he goes on to say, For if you forgive others their for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. I believe prayer is many things, but I believe prayer is these three points I want to highlight today. And prayer will change you from the inside out. But I believe that prayer is personal. Prayer is obedience. And prayer is forgiveness. Prayer is personal. I have this understanding in my life that nothing, nothing, nothing will increase your personal prayer life like family. Some of you are like, wait, is he serious? Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I can tell you that when I was first married, and you learned so much about yourself, you learned so much about your spouse, but I used to have this fleeting thought in my mind that said, man, if, if my wife could just see things the way I'm seeing them, our marriage would be so much, oh, gosh, we'd be like, we'd be getting marriage seminars. 
I mean, if she just see things the way I did, right? I see, I see the guys in here like, not you, baby. I never thought that in my life. You are calm. You are rational. You are smart. You are all those things, girl. Don't listen to this preacher. Right? Or with your kids. Right? Oh, I have all the patience. You ever be in the car? You're like, I need all the Jesus I can get. And then you put on a worship song. You're like, yes, Jesus, enter this car. And then your kids start acting like, hey, stop. Now I got to start the song over. I lost all my Jesus. I only got 10 seconds in. Come on. You got to church this morning. You say, I gave all my Jesus away in the minivan. I gave it all away. <laughs> Fill me up. Fill me up. Right? But, oh, how we need prayer in our lives. That I wanted to make, right? Whether it's your marriage or your kids or your family, you want to make about everything else around changing except for you. But what if God is telling you this morning, there's things I want to do, but the prayer that you pray, the change that you're seeking, it's going to begin inside of you. Private prayers produce righteous results. As we've read in the scriptures, we have to be people to have a personal prayer life. Corporate prayer is wonderful. But what does your prayer life look like when it's just you? Now, it's not about the repetition. It's not about the words. It's not about trying to impress God with, oh, Father, who in heaven is your servant Nathaniel who's reaching out to you? No. But it's being as honest as you can be with God to say, God, you know what's going on, right? He knows. The scripture says he already knows what you need. Right? It's like if you have teenagers, parents have an ability. They can see their teenager 50 yards away. They already know if they need something. Like, I sense it right now. Right? Their teenager walking like, oh, they need money. I, can, I see it in their face. They're walking, right? You already know. God already knows. But he wants to have relationship. He wants to have conversation. He's not just interested in transactional relationship. He wants an interpersonal relationship with us. Says, God, you know my very being. You created me before I entered this earth. You know who I am. And, Father, I need your help. Because there's going to come a time in your life you don't have enough money. You don't have enough resources. You don't have enough connections for, God, for, for, for you to do what you want to do. But God is the one who can. That God can do more in an instant than we can do in a lifetime. But we, we pray, we say, God, help me to remember. Private prayers produce righteous results. Sometimes we look at other people's lives and we say, oh, they, God just seems to bless them. And, oh, they got a promotion at their job. Good for them, right? And we start getting critical. We want to reap other people's righteous rewards when we haven't put in the time in private. I use the example, you know, if Pastor Aaron, we're friends, right? But if he had, you know, few points, especially now, we need our few points nowadays. Come on, somebody, right? I, I contemplated walking here from Columbus. I'm like, I can make it if I start now, right? I'm just... But if Pastor Aaron showed up at the fuel pump and said, man, I got, man, I said, I got a $1.50 worth of fuel points. This is great. And I said, hey, man, let me see that. I need to fill up my car first. And I would say, uh, Brother Nate, um, we friends and all, but that's just kind of rude that you're just kind of taking my fuel points from me. Right? That's sometimes how we could be in church. We just want other people's things. We say, are we willing to be people of personal prayer? 
Personal prayer aligns us to God's will. In verse 10, Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Luke chapter 9 verse 25 says this, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's, that's a hard passage of scripture. That we will align ourselves to God's will when we deny ourselves. I can tell you, you're not going to find a best-selling book called How to Deny Yourself in Five Ways. Like, woo, can't wait to get started. Step one, don't do what you want. All right, great. <laughs> but this is what God calls us to do. To deny ourselves in our selfish nature that we all have in our flesh. And say, God, what do you want to do? What are you asking of me? The thing I love about the Christian faith is that Jesus never asks us to do something that he hasn't done himself. So when, whether it's laying down your life, whether it's prayer, he's led by example. And in our lives, there's going to become a time where the things that we pray and what we believe are going to have to intersect. And that time was coming for Jesus. My second point is prayer is obedience. Prayer is framed by obedience, not convenience. I think a good example of this is there are times, and, and I have been guilty of it as well, and I'm trying to get better, right? As followers of Jesus, we believe in prayer, but often we'll procrastinate on it. So we'll run into somebody and say, man, I'm going through a real tough time, and they'll open up their heart, and they'll start sharing and say, I'll pray for you. And maybe you never pray for them later. What would happen if you say, hey, let's pray right now? Well, you know, it's. We're in the middle of lows. So be it. You know, you don't, you don't have, you don't have to you know, walk around seven times lows like, all right, let me get my spiritual muscles pumped up here, right? You know? We say, hey, just mind if I just pray with you? And just go for it. I don't want to be a professional Christian. In church, I sing the songs and we speak Jesus. And then I, you know, when you're other places, you're like, I whisper Jesus. I had a preacher tell me one time, he said, a truth is a truth. Whether you shout it or you whisper it, a truth is a truth. So if we believe in prayer, listen, sometimes people may not be open to prayer. Your workplace, I get that, right? We're not talking about, you know, I don't want Pastor Ken to tell me, hey, uh, we, we had a bunch of people get fired because they were just trying to preach at the workplace or something like that, right? <laughs> right? Sometimes maybe you, you know someone's close to it. Just give them a drive-by prayer, like, Father God, bless them right now, Jesus, right? You just don't even know what hit them. Just show up early, like, just pour anointing oil on their keyboard. Like, why is my keyboard all oily? I don't know. <laughs> Must be a new cleaner. I don't know. Just. But it can't be this convenient thing. It has to be this obedience that we pray for the people who are hurting. We pray for the people who are difficult to love. We pray for our neighbors. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching about prayer. And what the pastor just read, he's teaching, this is how you should pray. But in Matthew 26, chapters later, and you don't have to turn it, but Matthew 26, he is modeling what he taught in Matthew chapter 6. But in Matthew 26, it's one of the most difficult moments of Jesus' life. 
This is right before he goes to the cross and he's in the garden praying. Drops of blood are coming from his pores. The disciples who he said, hey, can you pray with me? Can you hang with me? This is his crew. They said, we got you, Jesus. And they fell asleep. They were not youth pastors. They wouldn't have made it to the lock-ins. And then the one disciple is literally coming to betray him. So this is a very difficult moment for Jesus. And in this passage, there's these words that used to describe Jesus, and it said that he was exceedingly sorrowful. You might have different pictures of Jesus in your mind of who he is, but sometimes exceedingly sorrowful doesn't come to mind. But this is where he was, and he was alone. But in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, it says this. It says, he went a little, little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. How hard it must have been to operate in obedience in that prayer. Because it's always easy to model something in t- when things are going well. It's always to say, oh, you just... You know, you just got to be, just, just pray, just be cool, calm, collective, right? God is on the throne. But when you're going through it, it's hard to recall those things, those promises God has spoken to you. It's hard to remember the scriptures because you're going through it. It's hard to operate in that obedience. But Jesus prayed for obedience to do the Father's will, not his own. I have to tell you, if I was Jesus in that moment, my prayers may have sounded a little bit different. I was like, well, I think this might be the end for me. <laughs> this is hard. But he was obedient even until death, the scriptures tell us. All the way through. And we can start with passion. Anyone can start well with their walk with God. I'm on fire. I came to church five times in a row. Bless God. But it's about finishing well. If you've ever run a marathon, I have not. Um, <laughs> very clear, like obvious, Nate. Um, <laughs> right? If someone said, hey, I, I, I ran a marathon, typically no one asks you what place did you come in. Because it's not about where you finish. It's about finishing. So if you said, well, I, you know, I came in 300 plate. No one's like, oh, that's terrible. No, no, no. You finished. So you would think less of me if I, if I came over here and said, man, I, t- I just ran a marathon. Like, oh, great. You know, how was it finishing? Like, oh, I didn't finish. I just started it. It was hard. I quit halfway through. <laughs> You're like, oh, well. <laughs> but, man, I looked great. I had new shoes on. I was ready. It's the finishing It's the being obedient and saying, I am going to finish this. I am walking the path. I am walking with God. Even when it's hard, even when I feel alone, even when I feel like it is a tough situation, I know that my God is faithful, and I want to align myself to him. About 2007, I remember I was a a youth pastor at a local church, and I had all the fire and energy on the inside of me that I was going to save my whole city if it was just me and Jesus and a Bible, and that was it. I was ready, and I meant it. I was very committed to the city and the church I was at, but during that time, if you remember 2007, 2008, there was the recession that, that took place, and it was a difficult time for our church. They had to have honest conversations. 
They said, hey, we have to take pay cuts. We may have to lay people off. Obviously, this is not what we want to do, but this is just where we are. Very real conversations and difficult. And as a you know, younger man, I began to think, well, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to live? How am I going to eat? Will I get cut? Will they get cut? I'll push them under the bus. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But all these thoughts begin to run through your mind. And it's amazing how in that moment, the things I was so passionate about and was going to be obedient to, now that I wasn't going to get a paycheck, I was like, oh, maybe the same for me. But God spoke to my heart and said, are you called to paychecks or are you called to people? So when we pray, there is a level of reminder that comes to our obedience to say, God, I want to be obedient to what you're calling me to. St. Augustine said this. He said, pray as though everything depended on God. Work as though everything depended on you. It's faith and works. So we're not going to pray. Say, if God wants to do it, I'm just going to wait here till he does it. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Your name's not Aladdin and he's not a genie. Come on, somebody. The third thing is prayer is forgiveness. Going back to Matthew chapter 6, after Jesus says amen, he already talked about forgiveness, but he goes back to forgiveness again. In verse 14 and 15, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I truly believe um, we have to have forgiveness in our hearts towards situations, towards peoples that may have done us wrong. Forgiveness is crucial for us as the believer. Love this quote. It says, unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in the jail cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Forgiveness is in the heart of the Father. He forgives us. We forgive others. Hear me this morning. I'm not belittling anyone's situation they went through. I'm not telling you, well, just get over it and forgive people. That's not what I'm communicating. But if you choose to hold on to bitterness, if you choose to hold on to anger, you are going to limit what God can really do in your life because you're so focused on the hurt. When God is saying, I want to heal you from that hurt. I believe in counselors. I believe in, you know, psychologists, all those things, right? I do. But also, I want you to encourage you to say, you need to take yourself to a place of prayer as well. In the garden, right before Jesus is about to be crucified, in his toughest moment, here comes his friend Judas, right? His disciple Judas, about to betray him literally sell him out. Imagine how Jesus felt to be there in your toughest moment. You're exceedingly sorrowful, and Judas is coming and pointing and saying, there he is, guards. Get him. Like, what? Like, I spent time with you. Like, we sat at a table, had conversations. We walked with each other. And you're selling me out? 
right? But Judas comes in, right, betrays him with a kiss. Right? What does Jesus call Judas? He calls him friend. Oh, I would have called Judas something, but ain't going to be friend. That even in that moment, Jesus was operating in forgiveness when he was being betrayed. I know I have a long way to go. That I, I can't operate in that instant forgiveness. I can't forgive my kids when I step on a Lego, when I ask them to pick it up. I don't step on and say, oh, I forgive you. <laughs> I'm like, I need 30 minutes. But Jesus. Jesus. Being whipped, spit upon, his beard ripped out of his face, being mocked, his clothes being sold, being embarrassed in front of everybody. And he's hanging on the cross. He's saying, Father, right, forgive them for they know not what they do. circled back to him. Right? He said, amen, but man, that forgiveness thing. So if we can stand to your feet in this place. If you're able to. If you, this morning, I want to I want to give us a, a time of prayer. And we want to open up these altars and Maybe you want to respond this morning. But here's what I'd like to say. In this moment, let's not minimize prayer. Let's not minimize it by saying, well, what's going to change? What's really going to happen? God is doing a greater work within you than you even realize. But will you continue to walk with him? So I believe this morning, I believe there's people who need to forgive some people. Maybe it's a mom or a dad who just didn't do what they should have done when you were younger. Those wounds are serious. And maybe you've just been holding on to this bitterness and this anger towards them. And God's saying, this morning, you need to forgive them. But you don't know what they've done. You need to forgive them. Maybe some of you, it's in your family. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness of a spouse for how you've been behaving. Maybe you need to apologize to your children. Children, maybe you need to apologize to your parents. Ask for forgiveness. It's hard. Always hard. But it's always worth it. And I think some of you in this room, you might need to even just forgive yourselves. Sometimes you regret things that you've done, ways you've acted. But our God is redeeming God. He redeems all things. That's who he is. That's the very nature of who he is. So maybe God's saying, you need to, it's not shame on you, shame off you this morning. And you've been carrying this guilt God saying, lay it down this morning. 
So every head bowed, every eye closed, and we're going to open up these altars. But if you're here this morning, and maybe you're feeling like my, my personal prayer life just hasn't been there. I need to develop that. Or maybe God has spoken something to you in your personal prayer time, and you haven't been operating in obedience. And you feel like today is that day. Or maybe you're just in that last category. You're saying, I have unforgiveness. It's in my heart. And I need to resolve it today. I need to give it to God and walk forgiveness out. We're just going to take a time just to let God speak to our hearts. If you want to come up front, I know there's a prayer team here that would be happy to pray with you. But don't walk out this door. Don't walk out this church building holding on to things that God has asked you to let go. Take it to God in prayer this afternoon.